You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. I I tell you, one of my highlights of my fishing life um, was I was in fishing away over in uh, New Zealand, down on what they call the mainland, which is the south the south South Island in New Zealand on the west coast. And I'd been wandering up this this river for hours and hours, and I'd been sighting, looking, um, you know, and I hadn't seen a fish, and I was blind fishing where I thought it would. Anyway, there was this lovely run coming in, and I chucked my big old dry fly the, um, up this run, and the water must have been about eight foot, probably deep, ten foot deep, and out of the depths came this trout, and I would say about seven or eight pounds downstream follow my fly and i'm going oh great sport after you know something at least that something's gonna happen today he came up to my fly and he closed his mouth and lifted it on his nose maybe an inch or so out of the water and then slowly sank down and then it drifted maybe another foot 18 inches he did it again back down and he did it a third time, back down and swam off. Now that I, I was, I, I probably sat on the bank for about half to three quarters of an hour, going, "What have I just seen?" That blew me away. You know, um, it just blew me away. That fish, uh, I, I, I found out afterwards that bit of water had been guided quite hard, and probably that fish had been caught many times over the years and I and I, I all I can say is I put it down to it's a learned response that fish didn't want to fake it didn't want to pose for the camera right it you know the only way you can test it is by lifting it out and and most of the time somebody would probably snatch away and strike or and if or you know but testing it three times and then making the decision so i i will argue this point with any fishery scientist you know the brains the size of peas and a five minute memory and all this jazz explain that one away then explain that 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 situation welcome to the fly fishing 97 podcast featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry we focus on guides conservation resort managers gear and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the fly crate we're gonna head across the pond and chat with kim tribe from south wales kim is uh Got lots of stories. Interesting fella. He's been in the uh, sport of fly fishing the past time for a very long time. Was on the World Fly Fishing Championships. Um, just a real down-to-earth guy and full of some amazing stories. I think you'll really get a kick out of it. Um, Want to let you know the uh, podcast, as always, is brought to you by the folks at The Fly Crate. Since 2015, The Fly Crate has taught thousands of anglers world-class fly fishing techniques. They provide unique fly fishing flies, gear, and tackle. The Fly Crate is an American-owned company. They're committed to helping USA veterans by dedicating 2% of sales to Project Healing Waters. Check them out at www.theflycrate.com. want to thank you guys for listening this week on the podcast. Uh, top 10 cities were Jakarta, Indonesia, Cleveland, Ohio, Edmondson, Alberta, Portland, Oregon, Chicago, Illinois, 
Spokane, Washington, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, Mountain View, California, Vancouver, BC, and Sydney, British Columbia. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. It's truly our pleasure today. We're going to take you across the pond, the big pond. We've got Kim Tribe on the podcast. Kim is out of South Wales, and he's with flyfishingwales.com since 2004, full-time professional guide and coach. He also competed in the World Fly Fishing Championships. He's got a very long resume uh, involved in many environmental projects, and we're really, really honored to have you on the podcast. Kim, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, Mark. So before we get going, I always like to take a little trip down memory lane and figure out how you came to discover fly fishing. You want to walk us through that journey for for, for a bit? Oh, the, the fly fishing thing. Well, the fishing kicked off um, when I was about eight to nine years old. Um, and um, I I saw a, a chap on the local stream who was a friend of the family's um, drowning a worm. And, uh, he, you know, he showed me how to drown a worm there. And um, I went off and... <laughs> <laughs> grabbed grabbed the nearest thing to that I could um find to a fishing rod which was a bit of a bamboo stick my um my parents um had clothes shops so we had some nylon a window dressing nylon lying about so that combination of a pin and uh impaling a worm on that and that was my first trout I dipped it in the water on a flood in a pool I remember called Bamboo Pool, and I visit it sometimes today. And this thing, I could feel it rattling away like mad. I'm struck, and it came out of the pool over my head and landed in the fields. And it was probably only about six or seven inches in length, but I went running home, showed my mother, and that was the start of my fishing career. She went and bought me a Woolworths rod from the store. And I was drowning worms then for some years. <laughs> that, the fly fishing. That's funny. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry I'm laughing because I've heard a lot of stories, but uh, I haven't heard a lot of people starting with a pin, as you say, drowning a worm <laughs> with a stick. That's old school. I love it. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit Huckleberry Finn. I do realize that. And it is, and it is, that's what I remember. My, my, um, my kid sister, I mean, all we had that I, I could see that was anything. So I, I think I must have bent this thing and just impaled, you know, and I literally, it was it was in the river for what seemed like, in, in my recollection, seconds, um, because it was, I literally dropped it in this, this uh, like a weir effect. It, this this pool had, a, uh, it, it would have had a big rock, ledge and each side of this rock ledge um it ran into a, a small pocket which is about probably about two or three foot and i just dropped it in there it was in a flood so you know they, they, it was colored water and straight away this thing hit it and i just yanked and it went oh, off and up and over my head so and that was it you know what i love about that story is you were fishing barbless before it was really a thing <laughs> Okay. I never thought of it that way. To oh, be yeah. honest, oh yeah, I, I've done it. I've done it for a long time, man. Ever since. But listen now, in those early years, uh, you know, I, I was no purist. I mean, God, I was, I was putting down night lines in in the stream. I was tickling trout. 
Um, me and my my friends used to get up to all sorts of mischief, you know. Yeah, it was it was you know learning 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 your way around these things, you know. So let's transition from uh, drowning worms, as you like to say, uh, with with pins uh, to fly fishing. How how did that come about? And tell us about that uh, transition. Right. Well, by that time, I'm oh god, fly fishing. Well, um, it was. The first introduction I had um, to it was with a friend's grandfather. My good fishing mate, um, we used to go off and spin fish, but um, we went to the river with with his grandfather, and his grandfather was an ex-miner who um, had lost an arm in a mining accident. So he'd lost half his arm in a mining accident. And this guy was fly fishing with his one arm, and then we'd tuck the rod under his his um, his stump, so to speak, of, of, of an arm, and would basically he would figure of eight. I know what he's doing. Figure of eight the line downstream, fishing. I what I can now know as sort of spider patterns or um, soft tackles. I think you call them over there. Right. And catching trout after trout, and it was oh, I thought this was. Brilliant. I thought if a guy with one arm can do this and what, you know, what an inspiration. And and it was just that one day and boy, was I hooked. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's interesting because the usually the first time you see somebody or you yourself catch something on a fly, it is very motivational because it is a game changer. And it, it, it's like, why didn't I do this before? Well, it was like, you know, imagine a sort of 12 year old kid seeing a guy with one arm fishing for starters, but fly fishing um, and then being able to, to catch trout, uh, you know, um, in, in, with the method he was using. And, and we were spinning, myself and um, his grandson were spinning, and we weren't catching any trout. And this guy was, uh, you know, he probably caught half a dozen trout, you know. Hmm. Um, and it was, it was an, an amazing experience for me. So did that start the journey uh, into the abyss? That was that was the first thing I'd never seen anybody fly fish be, before. Nobody in my family fishes, you know. You know, my father. Nobody that in my family um, does any sort of fishing. So um, yeah, that was the the first fly fishing, and uh, you know, uh, and the the guy that we knew in the family that that lived across the way there. Um, on his footpath was the first guy I'd ever seen fishing, and he was drowning worms. Um, so yeah, that was that was my sort of introduction to the fly fishing. So once um, once you really got into fly fishing, who kind of tutored you? Did you have a mentor? Did you have somebody that showed you what to do, how to do it? Walk us well, through that. Right. Well, after that, that. Um, both myself and my mate, oh, we gotta, we got to learn how to fly fish, you know. And um, it wasn't from his, you know, his grandfather. We went to um, um, basically the local school. There was, a, uh, there was an old chap, an old gilly, um, and he said, Di Gildas Jones, a real old-time gilly. Well, he taught us to cast, and we only had a few casting lessons there, um, and... We did some fly tying classes of an evening, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was the, but it was for a short period of time that, um, that that happened. And to be honest, I, I, I sort of left off the fly fishing, um, then and carried on with, with, um, spin fishing and getting into, um, sea fishing. I used to go to a youth club, um, at about the age of 14, 15. And the guy that ran the youth club, um, I have found out years later. He was very unassuming chap. His his name was Edward Porter or Ted Porter. Wrote um, he wrote all the articles for the fishing magazines as a. He was the South Wales correspondent for Sea Angler, mm. and he then used to go round the fishing competitions, sea fishing competitions, and I used to go around as a junior and fish these competitions with him. But we did we you know. I used to turn up this youth club and there was probably, well, it started off at about half a dozen people. It ended up me and him and another guy, another young chap. And we would be making lead sinkers, um, melting lead um, on a, a, like a, um, a little camp stove in a, in a saucepan health and safety. God, he would have lost. He was actually a teacher. He was also a full-time teacher, so he would have probably, health and safety, he would have lost his job for something like that, you know? <laughs> um, it was it was not, not certainly not politically correct, I tell you. I, I want <laughs> to ask, lovely chap. Kim, I want to ask you a question, because my, my family actually is originally from the Midlands, and I remember as a kid uh, being in the U.K., wanting to fish so badly and thinking, well, I can't go there. Somebody owns that. How You know, like... In North America, it's a little different, right? So walk us through what fly fishing is like in the UK. Like how how do you access waters and, and, and where do you go? Because I know there's a lot of carp fishing. That's kind of the, th- that for me is where it all started was fishing for carp because that's a, a pretty common thing. And, you know, there's a lot of waters you can access that way. But how, how does how do you access water in, in the UK? Oh, God. <laughs> Don't start me off on that one. Uh-oh. Um this is why I, I sometimes venture off to other parts of the world. Um, no, it, what we have here is called riparian ownership. Um, somebody owns the fishing rights. Different to like you guys over there, it's all public or, you know, New Zealand where I, where I travel a lot is all public fishing. Here, somebody owns the fishing rights. Hmm. So you have to get what is called a permit, permission to fish. Right. Now you could... You know, you could be invited um, by uh, a chap that owns a bit of fishing to go and fish as his guest. You could be staying in a hotel and they've got the fishing rights and maybe they've got the fishing rights on one side of the river and not the other. Um, but what we ha- uh, we have here in Wales is um, a lot of angling clubs, um, different to some of the south of England where you have the chalk streams where it's quite expensive to to pay for, for 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 fishing maybe for a day or a week or whatever i mean you know here it, it's a matter of pounds or tens of pounds should i say you know in right. some of the beach of the south of england you can be paying at mayfly time 3 and 400 pounds sterling you know what would that be about 6 or 700 dollars yeah. a day yeah. Just for, for permission. That's not a, with a guide. Wow. That's just so you can go and, you know, uh, fish that bit, you know. 
yeah. if you can access it. Um, so yeah, and there are. It's it's not easy. I've spent years. Um, oh God, not years, decades. Because mm-hmm. I, I like venture. I'm, I like venturing off and exploring um, for my fishing. I you know I've got a, quite an adventurous nature, and. I've gone off and I would knock on doors and, you know, I'd talk to the farmer or I'd talk to the estate owner and things like that. Um, and sometimes the father, farmer would say, hey, yeah, go on, Sonny, go and fish away, you know, um, and fine. And then, you know, sometimes I would have the big estate and the door would close in my face, you know. So there is, <laughs> you know, it, it, um, it would be literally um, – that I've built up over the years a network of places um, that I found that I could fish and, sure. and whatever, and I would pay people for a day permit. Um, I, I I joined various, been member of various fishing clubs throughout Wales um, over the years, and I would access that uh, the, the club water. So you know there is a good. We are fortunate in Wales here. We have quite a good club structure, and you know permits aren't available okay that, that i'm glad you walked so i'm glad you walked us through that because that's um it's always in my mind because i'm wondering how you access water there because i've been been back many times i have to be quite honest have never fly fished uh in the uk and it's it's definitely on my on my bucket list kim i, I want to get to know you a little bit uh, before we really get into the meat of this uh can i are you ready for a few rapid fire questions oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, put me on the spot. Yeah, but I'll do my best. Okay, so when you're, say, you're heading down, I don't know if you're on near the M1, the M4, whatever motorway you're headed to do a little fishing, what kind of music are you listening to on the way to the water? Uh, well, actually, at the moment, I'm not listening to anything because my stereo is um, kaput. But <laughs> um, going back a time when I used to listen, I you know, I suppose my era was the 80s. Um, and I was, yeah, I had quite a, quite a wide variety of taste from things like Roxy music to, um, God talking heads, um, JJ Kale over your neck of the woods, um, to, you know, I, I, I listened to a lot of, um, eighties funk and soul music, George Benson. Um, yeah, quite a, that's nice. I'm, 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 that's you know, a eclectic, quite a quite a range. That's an eclectic mix. I like it. What's one fly pattern that you cannot live without? Uh, anything that's simple that works. And I use I I, I use a very uh, a lot of time. I use a very simple caddis pattern. Um, uh, gold head beads. Um, basically, it's a fox squirrel instead of hair's year. I use fox squirrel. And I put a little tag on it, a little orange tag. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, it's it's a very simplistic pattern, but it's all about in my shape, size, silhouette, and get it to the zone. I mean, it, it, it's caught me fish all over the planet. I won a heat in the world championships in 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 Sweden, the third guy on the section of water. And, it, you know, it, it works, so I tie it up in various sizes. And I've been known that I, I sit and tie it up over morning because I haven't got enough in my box. I'm not, you know, I'm not the best tire in the world, I will say that. And I'm not the quickest tire either. But 
when needs must, I will knock up some flies, you know? Well said. Favorite place to talk fly fishing? Is there a coffee shop, a local pub, a fly shop? Where do you go to get your fix? Uh, it doesn't really work like that over here. I wish it did. It used to, um, well, it used to a bit more than it does nowadays. I, I used to, a member of my local fishing club, and we used to go and have meet once a week in what was the what was then the cod and cabbage pub and we would tie flies and we would you know talk about the big one that got away and planning our trips and god knows what and you know if there's any hatches happen um and in those days i used to also do a lot of um still water fishing so we would trip off as a club to different um lakes and reservoirs and boat fish drift boat fishing which is a bit, it's not like your, your, your river drift boat fishing. These are lakes or locks where you would drift with the, um, with the wind and you'd fish a team of wet flies or you'd, if it was stockfish, you'd pull, you'd strip lures. Um, but I, I got a bit bored with that. So I used to end up fishing dries and nymphs much to the uh, dismay of my, my, my fellow boat partners hammering stockfish on on lures and things but um i would like to think i i got the better quality fish but anyway um, being that you're located in southern wales uh favorite sports team are we talking is there a premier league team that you follow uh rugby cricket what how do you get your fix in sports oh fixing sports and 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 now now is the time of year that we're having it we have um, the Six Nations, the rugby tournament, mm-hmm. and if if you're ever in, in Wales over a you know over this period of time and the international matches, particularly the, the Wales v England match, oh yeah, right, and it's on in Cardiff. Oh, you've got to go there because the <laughs> atmosphere is is. Oh. I've I've seen seventy or eighty guys playing rugby up a street kicking the rugby ball up a street and, you know, ah, oh, it's just amazing and all fun. There's no, you know, there's no aggression. There's no anything. It's all good, you know, friendly. Um, great. Was, great atmosphere. Everybody's in the pubs and they're all getting drunk and having a whale of a time. I always remember my dad telling me about those days because he, we were from uh, Birmingham area and uh, he went to school in Cardiff, so I can only imagine that rivalry must be pretty fierce. Oh, it is fierce. It is fierce. But any of the um, the home nation games are great. Um, uh, there's always quite a lot of rivalry with England, to be said. Um, so that is, you know, we do like to, 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 to win in the rugby against the English. Um, I... And I, I, I tease because I get a lot of um, guys uh, come fish with me from over the bridge in England. And I, I, I we always rib each other, you know, because you've got to I say, did you get your passport stamped when you um, you went, you crossed the seven bridge, you know, and they used to charge to come into Wales on the um, yeah, to come into God's country. You know, there was a there was a. There was a fee to come into God's country. There wasn't going the other way, mind right? <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I remember uh, spending some time in Wales, and the thing that always amazed me is 
you have so much less density there and just those beautiful rolling green hills with those uh, stone wall fences, the sheep and the rivers that look like they were full of brown trout. Well, put it this way. we I think our population, well, we're probably about three and a half million. Um, and those are in, most of those are in, in two corridors, the South Wales and, and North Wales. Central Wales, a few little towns dotted around but if you if you ever see a map of wales um it looks like um, sort of a uh, an x-ray of somebody's lungs because all you see are like water you know little mm. the waterways here then you know we've got main rivers but we've got streams here there and everywhere um and yeah wild brown trout and grayling um, sea trout, or as we like to call them over here, suin, um, Atlantic salmon, but they have been in decline, you know. Well, saying that, it, they turned, the, I think my local river, it, it produced one for me last year, the first trip out, so, and I don't necessarily go for salmon, um, but when I think the conditions are right, I will give it a go. And if somebody talks nicely to me, I will say, and they want to go for salmon, I'll say, well, yeah. We'll, uh, if, it, if I think it's right, I'll do it. But I'll tell people, you know, don't waste your time. You know, it's, it's, you can throw tens of thousands of pounds and tens of thousands of hours at salmon fishing for, for no result. Hmm. Um, you know, that's the type of game salmon is. Right place, right time. Yeah, that's, that's being honest. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in your fly fishing journey if you had to pick one? God. Line control. Hmm. Explain. Oh God. Well, I, I to be honest, I think I think the essence of this game it comes down to line control. If you can't control the line, mm-hmm. i.e. the presentation, you can't fool the fish. Um and I think a lot of people don't really get to grips with being able to control the line. And that is moving both hands, rods, casting position, you know, mending, um, you know, all the things that come come around that. I think that, um, and I think this is, this is now being borne out by the European tight line, Czech nymph, Polish, road nymph, you know, Spanish, whatever you want. Line control, you know, the fact is that you haven't got the current playing um, on a thicker length, a thicker line at the top of the water affecting your flies and most of the case, your, your nymphs below the surface with, with some form of drag. Um, so, you know, the more you can control the, the line, I think the better your the better your results are. Yeah, that's that's really well put. When you're not fly fishing, you're doing what? Ah, uh, well, I'm not fly fishing. Well, I I I, I do run um an, another small business. I, I I rent a little bit of property, um, and that sort of kept the world from the door and uh, afforded me, you know, uh, at, uh, some time to spend as a trout bum in New Zealand in the winters. So, um, yeah, that's the. But but from a sport point of view, my early days, I used to water ski. 
um, in my 20s, I went through a time water skiing and um, I even competed for Wales. But it, you know, it sounds impressive, but wow. we weren't particularly a good, a particularly good team, mate. But, but you know, you used to impress the ladies somewhat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you were... fly fishing didn't. Fly fishing didn't, but water skiing was a bit more glamorous, to be honest. Well, I could tell you without a doubt that you're the first person I've had on the podcast that has competed for Wales in two different sports. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but come on, I'm, I'm probably the first person from Wales that we've had on a podcast. Well, I, I, so, I, wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to go there, but... <laughs> oh, man, Kim, you're killing me. Um. Name a couple of your favorite movies. If you're going to sit down and watch a movie, uh, have a little quiet oh, time, is God. there anything you like God. to watch? Oh, God, you, re- you really are putting me off on the spot. You don't have a um, TV? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do have a TV. Um, God, what? Apocalypse Now really sticks in my mind, um, wow. I, you know, as a, you know, a really you know thought provoking you know sort of really hits you type of type of movie mm-hmm. um god yeah um <laughs> how about how about books well, i can i can even remember crying at bambi you know so oh. when that disney came out so as a, as a sort of like a kid so you know um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that that's was... two extremes isn't it really that is two extremes apocalypse now and bambi okay <laughs> <laughs> got it got it no i tell you what i did i did like i i enjoyed the river runs through it and that oh god yeah. what's that classic line um oh, the... you know where the old man is is yeah. you know um he's and talking... all his family he's oh talking... god that chews that does that that chews me up that 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 bit you know yeah is that the we yeah. are we are haunted by waters line um, is it we are haunted by waters? Yeah, where you know basically he's an old man. He's yeah. in his, yeah. in his, you know, and all his family have gone. And yeah, that gives me goosebumps. God, I'm thinking about it. I'm well enough now. Thinking about it, that gives me goosebumps. I, hundred percent. When that movie came out, it was just, uh, yeah, because I'd never seen and fly fishing was was peaking back then. It seemed like because it seemed like, and I can't speak for your part of the world. Obviously, you have a lot more history and tradition in the sport, but in North America. It was really starting to take off, and that movie really, really helped. And I think uh, all of a sudden, uh, and this comes up on the podcast, fly fishing is a pretty cool place to be again because now you got all these uh, this kind of young outdoor crowd coming into the sport, guys and gals, and it's fifty fifty on the water. And I think I think the sport's in a really good place. Well, I I think that you know when that did come out, it, you know, well, you know, at the time then it was. Fly fishing is the new rock and roll, you know. Um, I heard that being bandied about, you know. But, I mean, God, um, I don't think... It may be influenced... I, I, some some lady anglers um, to take up or ex- explore the sport, you know, venture into it. Um, and because it was the only way maybe they'd say, hey, look, Brad Pitt's on you. We're going to watch, <laughs> we're going to watch this. Yeah. And then, Whoa, you know, this is a, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different outlook on life, you know? Yeah. Um, what's it's the not be- all about the rat race, you know? What's the best job you've ever had? 
<laughs> what I do now. I love it. I thought I thought you might say that. <laughs> it's always good to have a good a good day and you know things to work for everybody, you know? Um because it's it's you know, fly fishing is not an easy game. If it was an easy game, I would have given it up years ago. You will spend your life and then some learning and and don't anybody tell me they know everything about fly fishing because I'll tell them they're a liar to their face. <laughs> like this is the this is a game that you will. It may only be you know when you've been around it a long time, little bits and pieces, but it's still you know there are it's a big world out there. Yeah. There are lots of places to go and fly fish. You know, um, over in you know your side of the water saltwater fly fishing's been around a lot longer than here it's starting to really take off now in the uk um for bass and and mullet mm-hmm. um which we regard as our you know our bonefish <laughs> our, our uk bonefish you know yeah um, just enough. the blooming harder they the downside harder to catch a bonefish i've got plenty of bonefish like mullet are a are a downside harder but um yeah, you know, so we've got, and you can catch pretty much anything on a, you know, okay, inverted commas, fly, you know. Uh, um, it's, when I say fly, lure, you know, streamer, you name it, 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 loosely from that point of view. Anything that swims, pretty much you can catch. What's the I best, remember. What's the best fly fishing location you've been? As somebody that's, you know, competed at the World Fly Fishing Championships, uh, gone all over the world, been a guide for many years. If you had to pick one body of water or one area, is there somewhere that really you want to get back to? Well, um, I I sort of spent a lot of time in New Zealand. Um, I I first travelled over there. I had a change of career, you know, in my well, I suppose it must be in my mid thirties. Um, I you know change of career, and I thought, hey. I got a couple of bob in the bank. Um, I'll. Um, I've always dreamt about going over and read articles about going over to New Zealand. Um, and I, the way I did it, I, I, I for, for a few years, I used to do camper van exchanges. Mm. So it worked out quite economic for me. And I would spend. I went over in the mid nineties, and my first trip, I, I, I it, it was four and a half months in length. And I traveled around in the camper van and I fish, I drain all over New Zealand. Um, so I've, you know, I ventured from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South, East and West and, you know, in, in between um, over a 10, 12 year periods. So I came back after the first year thinking, God, you know, I'm coming back to fish for, for 10, 12 inch, 14-inch fish. Um, I've been catching fish in the 20-plus. <laughs> well, God, one, one, one. I think well, I remember one went about 30 and a half inches. Wow. It wasn't in particularly yeah. good condition, but um, but yeah. And so you know, I was. But then I thought, hey, I can do this again, and I did it the following winter, and I did it the our following winter there summers, right. and I did that for 10 years. In, in, in a row, um, I it ended up picking up um, four-wheel drives, you know, um, to get 
when I realized I couldn't get into a lot of stuff, I ended up um, picking up four wheel drive um, drive so I could I could do backcountry stuff and get up tracks and things. But I even went and um, <laughs> about the second year second year trip in, I went I flew via the states and um, had a friend over there in in um, in Venice Beach. Um, I had a one of these pontoon boats. Yeah. Now we don't have pontoon boats in the UK. You know, they just we don't we we don't have drift boats. We don't have pontoon boats. They're totally unheard of, right? Mm. I mean, a couple of floats. You know, some float tubes nowadays. But it, you know, I'm talking twenty plus years ago, twenty five years ago. Um, so I had this pontoon boat, and I and the great thing is. It was sent to me, and I could take it on as 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 normal luggage. Mm-hmm. So I had my my thirty two kg, and this pontoon boat came in at that, and there was no extra duty. And I went, and I, um, I you know I know nothing about, you know I can row and things like that, but I knew nothing about you know rafting, and I did some crazy things starting <laughs> off, you know. Um, Oh God, yes! I love it. I got some stories about that. Well, let's you know, take, let's transition into that because that's one question I always like to ask: crazy fish stories. And I, I have a feeling you're sitting on a few. Um, <laughs> God, how long, how long have we got? Well, as long as you, <laughs> I know it's opening day there for trout, so uh, I'm going to leave that in your hands because I don't want to keep you from the water. Yes. But Dallas, yes, you've taken me from potentially what could be. Um, hatch over lunchtime, but I don't think so. To be honest, there's a bit of water on, so um, so it's not ideal. But you know, I will venture out after this call and and wet a line, even if it's for an hour or two, because it's it's just you know it's a tradition that I've got to do. You know, you gotta do. I've got to do. I gotta get my fix. I gotta have my fix. You know. So think about that, Kim. Crazy story. What uh, something Crazy weird? Crazy stories. Yeah. Oh God. Weird. Well rafting stories um when i basically the first trip i did i i i went to the first river which was oh god oh god it runs out of topo the turangi um not in turangi it's 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 the I, i've got a blank now but it's basically the main river that on the north island that runs out of the lakes and a place called um Yes, it was Hamilton to a place called the Narrows, mm-hmm. okay? And I asked this a guy, I, I'd left my vehicle at this point, and I asked this guy, um, a taxi driver, oh, you know, can you take me up river um, so many miles or whatever? I, um, I want to try this raft. So anyway, and, and I'd gone in a couple of the shops, and I think it was a local tackle shop, and I said to them, well, what's this... Um, uh, you know, is, is it dangerous? Oh no, no, it's 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 flat. It's it's you know you'll go through a bit of a gorge, but the river is is is, is flat. Yeah, it may be flat, but bloody hell, it had a sinkhole in it that was swallowed a house. Wow. Um, literally, I was I was going down through this gorge and I saw this whirlpool effect. I thought. <laughs> What the hell's going on here? And I'm paddling like mad to the far side of the river, right? Like hell, just <laughs> to get away from this. Oh, God. You can't, listen now, 
you don't ask Kiwis, you know, about doing things, right? Because <laughs> they're nuts, total nuts, you know, total fearless. They 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 will just say something off and you, and you will you will you will take them, at, you know, at their word and 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 be warned, okay? Well, just I, be warned, Kim. Right? I think I think yeah. they go down a class five rapid in a air mattress. <laughs> well, actually, talking about that, I did a, um, a trip on a, another, another year on this pontoon boat in the South Island, and I went with this rafting company. And um, the, basically, um, I was, you know, the rafting company was going down, and I, and I sort of, they, they invited me down to follow behind them, and we'd camp over, and I'd do a bit of fishing and things like this. So um, as we, you know, we, we camped up that night, and then, as the, it was getting dark, there's a couple of kids came down on tires, <laughs> you know, and it, we were in a gorge, you know, they, they would never have got through that gorge. They were grade three plus rapids, <laughs> technical rapids. That, and these guys, these, these kids would have, you know, in the like late teens, early twenties, would have, let me drowned. But anyway, oh God. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got stories in, I've got lots of stories. I got stories in New Zealand about, fishing with a guy and um and basically we had to get up this really fast river and to get walk our, our way around it it was bush clad either side and i don't know if you know that new zealand has big eels yes they have huge eels and these eels have no fear okay hmm. they do not have fear right um so <laughs> we, we, we come around this sort of, this bush to find in this little back eddy, this eel must have been four foot easy long and the size of your thigh, maybe, or certainly, yeah, lower thigh. You mean. Wow. And it wouldn't budge. It wouldn't budge. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, this guy. But another time, I, I remember fish coming across an eel, and um, I hate eels. I hate eels to a passion because, you know, it, it reminds me of snakes, and I, and I got a phobia of snakes. And this, um, but a mate of mine had fished in New Zealand, and he caught them on lures. So I thought, oh, God, go on, and I've seen this eel, I'm going to have a go. So I put this white lure on and stripped it away, and this eel took it and went backwards under a rock. He snapped the line. <laughs> And so I thought, all right, okay. And I was quite annoyed at this. So I, I was poking this eel. Well, I'm poking him with the rod. And we're only in a matter of feet from the bank, maybe 10, 15 foot from the bank. I poke in this eel. And this eel starts attacking the end of the rod. <laughs> He's attacking. And then he starts coming for me. He comes out of the water, sticks his head out of the water, looking at me. I, I swear on my life, you know, wow. this is... This is gospel, right? I mean, you know, um, and I'm going, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm leaving you alone. <laughs> you know, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, oh, God. Oh, and funny. I got stories of fishing in um, in in the U.S. Um, in out of a place called Flamingo Lodge. Okay. In the Everglades. Sure. Um, yeah, the, where, a, where a shark bumped the canoe. But uh, yeah, you know, and I can talk about stories till the. You, know, you want me? You want me to talk stories? I can talk stories. Okay. I, I love it. 
Well, I, I always like doing that, jump in, and, and because we've all had weird, wonderful things happen, whether it's wildlife encounters or f- flipping a flipping a boat in shark-infested waters or you name it. There's, I've had some good ones on the show, a lot of bear stories for sure. But, uh, you know, I'm going to well, go ahead. Never seen any. I've never seen. I've never seen any bears. I've seen a moose um, uh, over in fishing over on the snake in a little side creek, but that's that's as much as I've done in 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 the states, you know. Other than the the sharks and the alligators down in around Florida. Hey, can I ask you, Kim, when you competed for whales um, in the World Fly Fishing Championships, what talk about competitive fly fishing? What did that bring to your game, and what did that bring into your your arsenal? Right. Well, when I basically um, when oh god, what was it? It's back in my nineteen ninety. Yeah, I think it's back in nineteen ninety. Um, the worlds came over. T- uh, the world championships came. That's the Phipps Moosh worlds came over um, to to North Wales to mm. compete on the River Dee, um, and um, some of the thins or lakes um, up, up that part of the world. And basically, I volunteered um, as a, con- a controller, um, the, you know, to where they, you know, you look after the angler, you measure the fish and you score them and things like that. But they've had enough enough controllers that are um, there for the competition. So I ended up watching these guys com- uh, from uh, Poland and Czechoslovakia fish tight line short range techniques, you know, and nymphing techniques. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, it, it it blew us guys away. I mean, none of the other nations, you, you name it, you guys from your side of the pond, um, you know, Kiwis, pretty much nobody fished like that. You know, nobody fished those methods. And they were slaughtering fish. I mean, they were catching way more than um, the mm. others, uh, other nations. Um, and... So, you know, it, it, I went away and worked at, 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 at some of that that I'd seen. Um, and, you know, four years later, I, I won, you know, our national championships over there, wow. uh, which qualified me to get into, you know, the, you know, the, the world team um, events and, and, and things like that. But seeing other anglers and mixing with other anglers from different countries and fishing different methods these things are now going out on the internet. You know, right. the internet has opened up fishing worldwide. It's opened up different methods. Um, you know, um, from, from it has done that. Hmm. But if, you know, in those days, it was just you know, I was just fortunate that I I was there, right place, right time, and um, you know, it, it 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 did up my game somewhat. We're chatting today with Kim Tribe from South Wales. Uh, he's with uh, flyfishingwales.com since 2004, professional full-time fishing guide and coach. Talk about the coaching, because I know you and I have had some conversations before where we recorded this, and I, you really piqued my interest when you talked about kind of mentoring and coaching people. What does that bring, and, and, and walk us through that process of your uh, business. Right, well, basically... Um... How do I? I started. I, I sort of. I sort of fell into guiding, so to speak. Um, there aren't. There weren't. There aren't particularly guides in the UK. 
fly fishing guides. They were always casting instructors, right? Um, and they were ghillies. You know, a ghillie was normally attached to an estate or a hotel, and he was normally a salmon ghillie. But trout, grayling, and even saltwater guides, there was no such thing. Well, not, not strictly true. They, they weren't, it wasn't really as, as established as such. Um, so I would like to think I was one of the first sort of full-time guys, certainly in Wales, um, doing, doing this. Um, because I went to work for a, an environmental charity that was doing environmental work, but opening up on the back of it, they were opening up fishing. Um, so if they did environmental work on a farm, they would then look to sell the fishing on a day ticket basis. Mm-hmm. Um, or they went on, um, you know, some salmon beats that were um, originally very expensive bits of water to fish for salmon and dead men's shoes type of thing because the salmon fishing was going down and they weren't getting the revenue from it. They would sell tickets to fish for trout and grayling. Um, and on the back of that, I was working as the river keeper part-time, but they asked me, um, you know, would I look after guests who came along to fish these different waters? Or somebody would ask them, do they have a, a ghillie? Well, no, they have a guide who will, I suppose, you know, it's a similar type of thing, but will I had the benefit I could move around different waters and pick different waters for different individuals. So and a lot of these people came to me, I mean, you know, I would have people never picked up a fly rod in their life before. You know, I've taught kids from six and seven years old to to guys of 84 just starting off in this game and just about everything in between. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I, it would be, I would find that they would that they would come maybe from a still water background and they, they could cast, but maybe they'd never fished a river before. They wouldn't know about... Uh, reading water or watercraft or, you know, um, weights and nymphs to fish in and how to fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, they, they just would be totally, you know, excuse the pun, but out of their depth. So, you know, I, I, my, I ended up, I found that I ended up, because as you can probably gather, I talk quite a bit, right? Um, <laughs> I, right, okay. <laughs> I love and it. I tell people when I when I'm coaching them, tell me to shut up if you just want to fish, right? Okay, but I I critique if I think I somebody can I can get I can improve their game, I can up their game. Sure. I will say so, you know. Yeah. Um, and I will, you know, and it's a running commentary sometimes. And I say to them, look, I'm sick of hearing my voice. If you're sick of hearing my voice, just tell me, and I'll shut up, you know. But if if you and they turn around to me a long time and they say, no, I want this. This is what, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming to you for is is to learn and to improve my game and to learn different methods, you know? I can only, um, I can only imagine, Kim, how many people over your life you've gotten into the sport, helped get better at the sport, and that's got to be pretty gratifying. Yeah, well, I'd be into four figures, that's for sure. Yeah. It's good stuff, and I and I and I and I'm proud of you know. Um, I like the, you know that I've introduced people. I, I know the pleasures I get from 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 this. Um, 
I personally have had from this game. It's kept me, it's kept me blooming sane, really. Some of the things in my life, but it, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the pleasure you can get from this, uh, and what you get from nature, and uh, and that environment, and the challenge of these creatures is it's a thinking man's game this is the thinking man's game there's no doubt about it you know it brings stability into your life like no matter i mean fly fishing is always there it's not going anywhere you know what i mean no matter where you are in the world if you're having a bad day you can always put the waders on walk out in uh, you know a small stream or river whether it's sitting on a still water and find a little i would personally have it should be on our national health Right, it, it you know, um, it is the best in my experience, the best form of escapism. I think you know nowadays they talk about it being mindfulness. God, I've known it being mindfulness ever since I was a, you know, it calmed me down as a as a as a, as a child. You know, um, from you know, I would have been a bit of a tear away otherwise. But it's um, it, it's that it 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 is it does have that therapeutic quality you know mm-hmm. the running water is known for it and you you transfer your your mind below the surface of that water and you you get into their zone you know that's that's where it's at you know um but anyway i don't want to go airy fairy on this no you know no i love this it. i love it i'll let it the end of that hey um if there's something you could change about fly fishing kim is there anything you'd like to see us do differently or, or better? Um, well, to be honest, I mean, I, I've always done catch and release, right? Um, well, saying I've always done catch and release, that's not strictly true. But maybe for the last 35-odd years, uh, you know, I've been strictly catch and release. Mm-hmm. Much. Um, and not that I'm against keeping the odd fish for the pot, but, you know... Um, wild fish, I, I treasure them yeah. too highly, you know, um, to uh, to just knock it on. I, you know, and if it's going to be consumed, one fish is going to be consumed, fine. But the point is, you know, you don't catch a bag of fish, you catch a limit and then knock it on the head um, for the sake of it, to, to show off to your mates or yeah. or whatever. You know, it's it, it's 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 not about that. You know, we um, so. I, I'm all for catch and release, but it's being able to handle fish. Uh, I, you know, if people can't handle fish properly, um, and I teach people about, you know, the lateral line and wet hands and, you know, all of this thing and turning a trout upside down is a good little mm-hmm. trick to keep it calmer, to unhook it and, 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 and things like this. So, you know, I've always promoted that from day one, just, you know, even if it wasn't politically correct when I was doing it, and yeah, um, and and even it was only just starting to probably come to the fore when I started doing it professionally. But I've always, you know, prized and, and looked after, um, and yeah, keeping them and, wet. And environmental, yeah, environmental issues are the big, the big thing. Um, you know, we we don't look after this planet enough, and we've we we don't look after our fish stocks and. And all the little, all the things that affect them, you know, not only the fish stocks, the insect life, mm-hmm. you know, what we put on, what we put on, um, the chemicals we put on the lands, you know, we plant, we, in Wales we've got issues, we've we got 
plenty of issues. We've got issues with um, acidic rain from um, plant in pine forests, you know, um, tax breaks to plant pine forests in parts of Wales. And then you've got, you know, the, the pine needles are acidic. So um, that sometimes the headwaters of these systems, the pH uh, has dropped away. So none of these, you know, the, these fish can't survive, trout can't survive. Hmm. I mean, when I was working for this charity, I used to do pH studies on the headwaters of some of these things. And some of these rivers and streams were crystal clean. You right. know, you could see a six months in 20 foot. But there was nothing living there. There was no insect life, and there was no fish life. Yeah, that's we've been working on that. You know, um, we've got problems with um, after they closed the mines. Uh, the Thatcher government closed the mines in South Wales um, in the what is it eighties? End of the eighties. Basically, there was no legislation in place to clean up these mines, mm-hmm. um, and we've got problems with iron oxide. Um, coming out of the old abandoned mines and affecting polluting streams and, and rivers. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I got involved in a, in, in, um, well, I basically read, we'd had this um, on my local river, which was the, the Neath where I grew up. And we'd had these, um, some of these culverts and abandoned mine shafts kicking in mine water pollution. So I, 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 read about a project over in um over in the states in pennsylvania i think it was called the skip skips or skips project in pennsylvania anyway right. i'd read about it in one of the magazines and i contacted the guys over there you know and said look we got this problem over here um and i talked to some of the guys and they sent me over this scientific stuff and i went woof gone straight over my head you know mm-hmm. so i passed it on to our our statutory bodies, um, and um, I, I basically, well, nagged our local member, member of member of parliament, um, who ended up as a guy called Peter Ain. He ended up as um, as the first Welsh minister, actually, but he got funding from Europe. It was, but it was more of a. It because this not only it polluted the river, but it polluted the, the local canal with this iron oxide. The canal was orange, and the, the deciding factor was that the the swans in this canal. Oh, you never seen. We had orange swans. Wow! You know that wasn't politically, you know, um, good for him. So. Uh, <laughs> You sure you sure they weren't flamingos? <laughs> no, they got these ones had long necks. I suppose flamingos got long necks as well, but they didn't have long long legs. We don't have flamingos <laughs> over here, but literally it was literally I, iron I oxide know. was the was ah it's a bane, uh, but yeah, um, and this was lime water treatment um, for this thing. So um, yeah, I'd like to think I I was you know I'd uh, helped in relation to that. I've. I've seen plenty of iron oxide polluted waters, and it's not pretty. Like you say, it's that bright, yeah, bright yeah. orange. That's and... So, so tell us, has the transition been? I mean, is it visibly uh, yes, different? Yes, it now? is. Um, and um, we, we, I wouldn't say we've got loads of these streams, but um, we have, um, and, and 
but the the ones that I was involved in were you know were quite bad. Um, we don't we they, they they constructed an I uh, a plant. They, um, there was funding from um, from European funding of one and a half million to construct this plant, um, and then they they did a reed bed system. So they've got two filtration systems. I, I I'm not I haven't been involved other than the early days of this, so I don't see the issue. You know, I don't see it affecting the river anymore. I don't see it basically running orange or staining the stones there. Um, right. So, did the insect life? Did the insect life? Oh God! Back? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, um, we used to have it running into the river. We also have it running into these old Victorian canals, which were designed to transport coal down these these valleys. So. Um, my local yeah. river had two canals. One used to, as I explained, ran orange, um, and it, it coated everything. But um, what the, it's again, it's political. This canal used to feed industry on the coast, so um, we had our, our big steelworks right. and our. So you can't have iron oxide water running through industrial plants and things so what they what our our um well our government body it was the uh, it was the environment agency actually allowed the water to be transferred into the lower river source of my local river um and then they pumped water fresh water back out in into the canal um to to mitigate the effect of of this to use for industry so i went a bit mad about this and i and i i said you know where's it in their remit to to because it's not in their remit to to sanction polluting one river source a one one water source um mm -hmm. and yeah uh uh that i i actually objected to the um pumps being put in to abstract extra water um but where it did where it was let to go into the river yeah it killed everything it reduced the ph you know um the the, the aquatic insect life was 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 negligible um where where this where this entered the river but luckily it was sort of on the tidal zone there so so it wasn't that that yeah. that effective of the actual stocks as such well it sounds i mean i know it's it's close to your heart it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things and i, I know you've influenced a lot of people in a very positive manner um kim i wanted you to harness your your inner artist and and i like to ask this question of guides because usually when you're guiding or say you're a ghillie for somebody else you're seeing the water through their eyes I want to see it through your eyes. So when you are on the water, what do you, what does your perfect day look like? Can you walk <laughs> us through that? Um, well, my perfect day is I, I I'm quite selfish from that point of view. I like to fish on my own, uh, to be honest. Um, hmm. And you know, um, it's it's sort of me time. You know, um, I, I I get that from from a from a fishing point of view. Um, when you say perfect day, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd love to come across a great hatch of large dark olives, that, you know, 
at now in the next couple of weeks kicking off and have a fisher team of wet, um, wet flies or spiders upstream at close range in fast, you know, heads of pools. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get a buzz from that, that type of fishing. Um, but, you know, predominantly I'm, I spend a lot of my time when it's nymphing in various forms, you know, um, whether it be New Zealand style with a dry in a nymph or French nymphing or Czech nymphing, it's all, you know, or variations on, on, on those. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, from, from a pleasure point of view, I still like the surface activity. Um, nymphing is, is a, probably a harder game because you, you've got to have your, your mind below that water. You, you've got so many other factors, you know, the, um, the, the velocity and speed of the current, the depth yeah. of the water, the weight of the nymph, how are the currents going to, uh, you know, impact on, on that, your presentation. Um, you know, so there are, there, there's a lot more to it, I think, you know. That's, there's something visual about that dry fly that, um, is I, pretty I tell you, one of my highlights of my fishing life um was i was in fishing away over in uh, new zealand down on what they call the mainland which is the south the south south island of new zealand on the west coast and i'd been wandering up this this river for hours and hours and i'd been sighting looking um you know and i hadn't seen a fish and i was blind fishing where i thought it would anyway there was this lovely run coming in and i Chuck my big old dry fly the, um, up this run. And the water must have been about eight foot, probably deep, ten foot deep. And out of the depths came this trout, and I would say about seven or eight pounds. Downstream, follow my fly. And I'm going, oh, great sport after, you know, something, at least something's going to happen today. He came up to my fly, and he closed his mouth and lifted it on his nose, maybe an inch or so out of the water, and then slowly sank down. And then it drifted maybe another foot, 18 inches. He did it again, back down. And he did it a third time, back down and swam off. Now, that, I I was, I, I probably sat on the bank for about half to three quarters of an hour going, what have I just seen? That blew me away, you know. Um, it just blew me away. That fish, uh, I, I I found out afterwards that bit of water had been guided quite hard, and probably that fish had been caught many times over the years. And I and I, I all I can say is I put it down to it a learned response. That fish didn't want to take. It didn't want to pose for the camera, right? It, you know, the only way you can test it is by lifting it out. And and most of the time, somebody would probably snatch away and strike. Or, and if, or you know, yeah. but testing it three times and then making the decision. So I, I will argue this point with any fishery scientist. You know, the brain's the size of peas and a five-minute memory and all this jazz. Explain that one away then. Explain that that, that situation. Yeah. Well, 
I, I agree 100% because I, I do spend some time on some catch and release waters that are trophy waters. And I've seen some pretty weird things, too, as far as they get selective. They're not stupid. And if they've been caught before, especially numerous times and released, uh, if you can fool them, you're doing something right. Oh, t- t- listen, I'm 100% convinced of that. Um, I used to, you know, um, go various waters and, and you know, Remember now, we have to book uh, some of these water. We call them beats over here. You've got to book a beat in advance or whatever. And if I, you know, and then feedback on, you know, what you, uh, you know, how you did to that day. Uh, if you caught fish, you didn't cut fish, what flies you used, this, that, and the other. So it was, it was publicizing those particular waters. And what was happening was that those waters were then, people were reading about this. And they were all fishing the same waters. Oh, and I, I could take you to some of those waters now. And I, you know, I can put some of the best guys. In fact, I, you know, I, 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 I have put some of the best guys on some of these waters, right? You know, English team, I, you know, and, and things like that. I, I won't catch a fish, you know. Um, it's, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's, and there was a paper written on, I think I read a paper somewhere on a, on a, on a, about a, um, done on a, on a river in the, in, in New Zealand, in the South Island, a famous, well, it's, and, uh, you know, the, there was a local lodge or whatever. Anyway, this river, they, they were, somebody did a, a paper on it, like a PhD study on it. And they reckoned that the, the, these trout there wouldn't feed in the day. They'd only feed in the night because that's the time that they felt safe. Yeah, I've witnessed that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do a lot of night fishing, actually, I think, uh, especially when there's a full moon. Well, we actually, Wales, one thing Wales is famous for uh, over here, uh, here in, you know, in the UK and Europe is our, um, what we call suing, sea-run brown trout. Right, um, it's okay. it's yeah. sort of that downstream wet fly fishing, which is night fishing. It's not we, you don't go um, sea trout fishing in the day. You can if there's a spate on and, and the water is coloured and it's maybe tea coloured, but predominantly it's all night fishing, right? So we fish. Um, we're going out, and the darker the night can be the you know um, can aid you as as such. It's total field technique. Um, it's it's something you do you do not want to get into as a method of fishing because it is a disease. If you worship at the <laughs> at the church of the Suiners, you know, then to qualify for that, you're you've lost your job. You go bankrupt. You're living in a caravan at the side of the river. Your wife thinks you're having an affair because you're out all night, and and you come home, you know, with no fish. That is, it's. But when it does happen, oh boy, is it exciting! You know, you get a big sea trout, you know, um, and you you you're wading up to your your chest in water. Um, oh God, yeah. Wow. It's. Uh, I tell you what, you tell it. You tell a mean story. I. I so much appreciate you taking the time. And you know what? I don't, I got to let you, get, I know it's opening day. I want you to get out on the water. Cause I can't bear that responsibility of keeping you from the, 
from yes. the H2O. Hey, before we let you go, Kim, I, I have one. I need you to get your, your info right. out there. Somebody wants to book a trip with you in uh, South Wales. How do they get right. a hold of you? Well, What's the best um, way? You know, my email is kim at flyfishingwales.com. Um, so it's kim at flyfishingwales.com. Um, I'm on Skype as Fly Fishing Wales. Um, but yeah, I've got a, I've got a mobile there, which I, I operate on my mobile. I don't have a landline, which is, you know, if you're phoning from other mm-hmm. parts of the world, it's zero zero four four the country code. And then oh seven eight oh seven eight six eight seven eight two eight four three. That's oh seven eight six eight seven eight two eight four three. Had to think about that one. Oh, you leave off the north actually in the start of it, but uh, but yeah, um, I you know yeah. I I got a Facebook and I'm not particularly social media minded, and my website is a bit God, it's a bit old school. It was done on the back of a cigarette packet by a client in the first year, yeah. and I've been meaning to do something about it for the last fourteen years, fifteen years that I've been doing this, and maybe one day it'll happen. But well, um, I w- anyway. Thanks, thanks so much, Kim, for sharing. I really appreciate it. it. Tells us, tells me how global a sport this really is, and I'm trying to do more of this. Reach out because we're all speaking the same language here, uh, uh, the language of the the fly fisher and, and and time flies. And it's 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 such a pleasure to talk to you, Kim. Good luck on the water today, and thanks for coming on. <laughs> My pleasure, Mark. And yeah, I'm gonna go venture out now. <laughs> the Fly Fishing '97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.